I know we all want to believe it. And most of us do believe it. But the reality is we're, a lot of us in this room this morning are walking through some deep things, some deep battles, and we want to believe it for ourselves, but we find it hard. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Sometimes it's hard. And I know there are people watching online this morning who want to believe it with everything that's in them. I know I have family. I know my sister is watching online this morning. And she's struggled a long time praying God to answer prayer and hasn't seen an answer. But I just felt this morning that I, I need to encourage you a little bit. And maybe the mountain you're facing seems just too, too big, or the sickness you're going through is just in your face day after day after day, or whatever it is, you can fill in the blank. You've been praying for sons, daughters to come home back to Christ, and you just are not seeing the answer. I'm here to tell you that God is faithful, and he will see you through, that your answer is coming, and it may be today. And I'm believing for breakthrough, church. I just... And breakthrough can look different. You know what? Breakthrough can be a miracle in a moment. And I believe that's going to happen in this house today. I just felt Holy Spirit say, yeah, there's, there's people I want to meet today. If they are faithful to step out, I want to meet them where they are. And you can leave this place totally changed. Maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe it's an addiction can be broken off of you. I've seen it happen in our family. My wife, she stood at this platform before, this altar. And in a moment, God changed something physically. She struggled with migraines for two years. It was horrible. She couldn't even do dishes. It was horrible. <laughs> I prayed. No, but God met her. God met her in that moment, and she left this place changed. She could do dishes. Hallelujah. But a physical, a physical supernatural touch of God. We've seen it. I've seen it. But for some of you today, that may look a little different. Breakthrough for you may just be God saying, here's a little nudge. Here's a little kicking the pants. I need you to keep going. I need you to keep fighting. I need you to stay in it. And trust me, I'm going to take you through it. And I can't explain why some people receive in a moment a supernatural miracle and everything has changed. We've heard of people, addictions broken in a moment, in a moment. And then there's others that have to struggle through the battle. I can't explain that. All I know is that God says, trust me, trust me. I'm going to take you through it. And so I just want to, can I encourage you this morning just for a few moments? God, I just pray right now as we open your word, as we hear testimony from, from Jordan, Lord, this morning, that it wouldn't just be words that fall maybe on deaf ears this morning, but, Lord, that your power, your spirit would move right now, as you've already been, Lord. You're in this house. You're so tangible. But, God, that you would just push back the enemy's lies, the whispers that he's speaking into people's ears right now, that today is not their day because they prayed it so many times over and over again. I pray today for breakthrough, Lord, that your spirit would just wrap your arms around those people today that need to see that you are still in the fight with them and that you would encourage them, Lord, and that today they would see your hand at work. We ask it in your mighty name. You're able to do all things. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share a few thoughts from a psalm, Psalm 46. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Um, and then, like I said, Pastor Jordan, Spencer introduced him. He's going to come this morning. He's here with his wife, Karen. Their pastor's in Clam Point. And uh, he's going to share a bit of his testimony. It's going to encourage your heart. I've heard it a few times. I still, 
I still cry when I hear it. God is so good. It's going to be powerful. So he's kind of kind of take the second point of my message and, and add to it and make it, make it awesome. No pressure. Let's turn to the word Psalm 46. Pastor Spencer actually sent me, just put your finger in it for a second. Pastor Spencer sent me this uh, a song on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. And just a side note, for any of you that send me YouTube links and say this is a song we should do in worship and you don't ever see it happen up here, don't take it personally. I do listen to them, but don't, we don't always do them in service. But uh, like this song, we didn't do it. Sorry, Pastor Spencer. But, but it spoke to me as I was listening to it. Basically, it's Psalm 46 put to music. And as I was listening to it, I felt the Lord say, that's what I want you to share when you speak in July. Just that truth that's in this psalm. I just want you to remind the people, encourage them. And uh, so that's what we want to do this morning. And if I'm being honest, I can come into a worship service many, probably more times than not, and just kind of be coming off a mountaintop. And I don't know if there's such a thing as being too positive, but I come by it honestly. My father, he drilled that into us. Kristen, look at the positive. Keep your chin up. How many times did I hear that? Keep your chin up. Push through. And I'm not saying it's a bad attitude to have. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that that was instilled in me. But many times I can step into a situation or into a service and kind of forget that, you know what, there's a lot of people in this room, even today, who aren't on a mountaintop. You're quite the opposite. You're in a big valley. And so today the Lord is saying that he just wants to come and encourage you to keep going. And I believe in this, in this psalm, as we, even as we read it over you, that God's going to start to do some things. The beautiful thing is that when we are weak, he is strong, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse, 10, verse 9 and 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. <laughs> That's tough. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weaknesses, my insults, my hardships. I'm content with persecutions and calamities. That's not always the case. We don't always live that out, do we? But for when I am weak, it says that I am strong. And then it's in these moments, you know what, we need people, we need people to step in. We need people that are maybe on the mountaintop who are positive people to step in and help us, to lift our hands. There's a beautiful picture in Exodus 17 when Moses is standing on the mountaintop with his staff in hand and he told Joshua to go and fight the battle against Amalek. And he takes Aaron and her and they go to the mountaintop. And in verse 10 in chapter 17 it says, Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. And so if that's you today, if you need someone to step in, you need someone to hold up your hands, you've come to the right place. This is your morning. God set this service up so beautifully with the worship that he's going to meet you here this morning. Trust me. And so I want to give you permission. You know, sometimes we come into this house and we put on a mask. How are you doing today? Good, good, great, you know, and everything is ugh, inside. 
Would you be vulnerable enough to take it off and say, you know what, it's not all great? And I need someone to hold my hands up. And we've asked, I've asked Susan to beef it up around the altars. We want people that are going to pray specifically for things that you're going through so that we can see breakthrough here today. All right, back to Psalm 46. Now, I tried to read this and be very spiritual in the first service. Read the scripture out of the Bible because that's what you're supposed to do. And I couldn't do it. I need glasses. And so I struggled, and I had to read it off the screen, but I have it right here, so I'm just going to read it off my iPad. It's still powerful, right? Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then he's got this word selah in here. Pause. Just think about what you just read. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. But he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. For the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's a powerful psalm. And this is a great psalm. You know what? If you're in a valley, if you're feeling like you need or want to give up, take it out. Read it out loud. Read it over yourself. Let your physical ears hear it in your mind. Grasp it as your spirit feeds on it. You can encourage yourself. It's scriptural. So real quick, let's look at this psalm. Three things we want to pull out of it. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. The power and ability to face difficulties and uncertainties in life are truly found in God. There's a difference. And you'll hear when Jordan shares how he said it this morning, I don't know how people without the Lord go through things that we have to go through in life. And it's so true. I don't know if any of you um, saw Pastor Bill Johnson's sermon last week. He just lost his wife to cancer and he got up in the pulpit. They hadn't even gone through the funeral at this point, I don't think. It was only a couple days after. But he stood in the pulpit, and he shared a word that, man, it was like from the throne room of heaven. And it was just an amazing example of how your relationship with the Lord, if it's where it should be, even losing a spouse, you can stand and say God is good. You can stand and witness, and you can encourage other people, even when you're going through such a huge valley. And it's like, Lord, help us to be like that. The world needs to see that. There was a lady in prayer meeting on Tuesday night. She, she doesn't come to, to church, I don't think. Maybe she's here this morning, but she hasn't been here on a Sunday, but she comes to Tuesday night prayer. And we were just wrapping up, and I was just standing at the keyboard, and we had just done some group prayer. And She walked up, and she said, can you, can you pray for me um, just at the end, maybe? She said, I, I've lost my husband and, and my mom and my dad in the last 12 months. And I said, oh, for sure, yeah, like, we'll get some people and gather around you when we're done, and and so I was, I was just wrapping up with uh, the song, Goodness of God, and we're singing, All my life you have been faithful, right? All my life you have been so, so good. And I look over, and she's got both hands above her head, and the tears 
streaming down her face, and it just hit me, wow. God, she really knows who you are. For her to stand with hands raised and sing that, going through what she's going through, she has found a rock-solid God who will carry her through anything. And this, the word says refuge. It gives us the picture of shelter from danger. God is our refuge and our strength. And I don't know if ever you've ever been out in the salt water in a boat when it got rough. Anybody experienced like the power of the ocean in a scary way? <laughs> Just a quick story. We were home a few years ago. Our kids were small, so I don't know how long ago, four or five years ago maybe. Well, it was a beautiful day, beautiful day to go out the bay, we would say, in Newfoundland for a cookup. And so we, mom and dad, kids and friends of ours, they took their boat. We all packed it up and went out. And uh, going out was beautiful, sunny day. We got out uh, just outside, and there's a picture here. If you're familiar with Newfoundland, a lot of small communities are settled, like in what we would call coves or bays or harbors. And uh, this is, I think this is St. John's Harbor, possibly. It's, it's not, most harbors are a lot longer than that. But you get the idea. Once you get out past these two cliffs, it's just ocean, as far as you can see. It's wide open Atlantic, right? And so we decided we were going to go to what we call the Horse Islands. Never been there before. I hadn't. Mom hadn't. Um, and it was a great calm day, so we thought, we'll adventure out. It's about an hour out now into the ocean. And uh, it was great. We got there. We had a cook-up. We had fish and brews on the rocks. Oh, it was beautiful. You would have loved it, Dave. What we didn't realize was as we were, you know, eating and whatever, that around the back of the island, the wind was picking up. So when we got back in the boat and came around ready to head back in, it was, it was getting a little, little sketchy. We actually had to take our kids, and we were, out, we were out a little ways then, and it was rough. You guys remember? The boats were going like this, and we thought, we better get the kids out of this smaller boat into our friend's bigger boat, so at least they'll be safe. And we pretty much threw them over into this boat. You know, as we're doing this, we got them in. And anyway, we're coming shore. The waves were huge. I mean, I, I think I caught mom at least half a dozen times for falling over the side of the boat. And, and I was repeating the Lord's name in a good way. Jesus, get us home. Finally, we made it into the harbor. We came through these cliffs. The wind died down. The waves kind of calmed out. The sun even felt stronger, warmer. And we were thankful that day for a refuge. Mom will never go to the horse islands again. And Dad still laughs at me and I say, I was a little bit nervous. But I was thankful for the refuge of that harbor that day. We all were. And that's the picture that the psalmist is painting at the beginning of this psalm. God is our security in the storms of life. He is a harbor where we can find refuge. And then the second part, he is our strength, refers to the power when battling spiritual enemies, the ability to withstand force and pressure. And if we do patiently trust in our God, he will reveal his power through us so that we can overcome the obstacles of life. His power and his presence, church, are enough to handle any situation. And I know you've probably heard that a million times. And you're like, yeah, I know, but for me, I don't know. It's just be encouraged this morning. Be encouraged. Receive, receive this word. He will carry us through. The second thing I want to pull from this psalm is in verse 8. It says, come and see the works of the Lord. Come and see. Um, the verses following that say, he makes wars to cease. 
He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, he burns the shields of fire. Isaiah 54, 7 says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. That's right. My God can take care of it. And there's a story, an awesome story in 2 Kings. You might not be familiar with it. We don't have time to really go into it a whole lot. I want to give Jordan some time this morning. But um, of a dramatic victory in battle, for, battle for Jerusalem. And it's really the background for this Psalm 46. And here's, here's the Cole Notes version, okay? King Hezekiah was a king of Jerusalem, and the Assyrian army was attacking, looking to take control of this city. They had already taken control of many cities around. And the Assyrian army was no joke. I mean, you think we're facing battles now with what you're facing. Not to belittle what you might be facing, but the Assyrian army was out of control. And so King Hezekiah knew he had no chance. He could not fight against this army and win. So he just surrendered and said, Lord, I need you to come up and show up in this situation. And it says in the scripture that while they were sleeping, an angel came and put to death 185,000 men. King Hezekiah didn't lift a spear or a bow. God took care of it while they rested. While they were still, God stepped in and answered his prayer. It's kind of a paradox. You know, we must let go to witness God work and know him, but equally it is knowing him that enables us to let go. Let me say that again. We have to let go to witness God at work and know him. But equally, it is knowing him that enables us to let go. So we need to get to know God, get to know what he's done in the past. Look at the testimonies you have in your life or in the lives of others around you so you can know that his very present help is here for you today. We've seen so many things. Pastor Jordan, come. I had so many jot notes of testimonies how God has answered prayers, small things, big things. And then I remember that Pastor Jordan was here with his wife Karen and his awesome testimony of what God has walked them through and their children uh, was too good for me to not let him take 10 minutes. 10 minutes. He did awesome in the first service. Uh, it wasn't 15, but it was so good. You'll, you'll be blessed by it. Um, just let your heart receive this morning. That God, as he was there for these guys and walked them through their valley, he's here for you this morning. Good morning. It's great to be here uh, with each and every one of you. We started a vacation last, uh, on Monday, and we, uh, we came up this way. When you're a pastor, you don't always get vacation. I'm not joking. I, uh, I love to speak and love to, uh, and love to share, and it's a great time to, uh, to get away. As he said, I pastor in Cape Sable Island. Everyone know where it is? It's not the island with the horses. Everyone, Cape Sable Island. No one. <laughs> uh, it's as far south as you can get in Nova Scotia, all the way down around a little island. We have a short causeway uh, that connects us to, uh, to the mainland, real big fishing community, uh, lots of lobsters. I get sick of eating them. Uh, I know. I, just, I had a bunch the other day I just gave away. I said, I don't want to look at them anymore. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been great to be down there. We've seen God do some incredible things in our, in our church, and uh, God has really poured out his spirit and his blessing upon, uh, upon our church. And uh, it's, been, it's been busy. We came here in October 2020, and uh, it's, it's been busy in the church, busy with our family. Uh, we have three boys. We have uh, our oldest is almost six. He'll be six in November. His name is Isaac. 
Our uh, other one is a little over two. His name is Anakin. And yes. <laughs> Just like Skywalker. Um, I didn't see, sometimes I don't realize the third one until after I've said it, because I follow up Anakin with our third son's name, but it, it wasn't on purpose and it wasn't intentional. <laughs> our third son's name is Lucas. <laughs> um, but it wasn't intentional. When I said it this morning, some people, some people had laughed, and I said, I see the, the, the connection. Anakin was, was, was my idea, Lucas was, was, uh, was Karen's idea, and uh, so... I have Anakin's life all played out. I don't have time. He has to have twins named Leia and Luke. He has a married girl named Padme, so if any of you have a daughter named Padme, let me know. Um, but Lucas was born December the 28th of 2021. He's, he'd be six months old, uh, seven months old in just a, a week, maybe. I'm not even sure of the date anymore. Um, but he was born December 28th in, in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. And when he was born, uh, they, they knew within the first few minutes there was, there was just something not quite right with, with, uh, with Lucas. Um, they could tell just from his color. He was, he was blue longer than he probably should have been blue. Uh, so it, it caused them some concern. Uh, so his, they checked his auction. His auction was, was very low, around, you know, 65 to 67 percent, which is, which is dangerously you know, the amount of oxygen inside of your blood. And uh, it was dangerously low, so uh, they, they took him from Karen uh, just a few, a short while after, and they began to, uh, to support him with some oxygen. Um, while he was supported, they could manage to get it up into the mid-70s, uh, nowhere near where they needed it to be, uh, so they knew that there was something a little bit more that they couldn't do, so they quickly contacted the IWK. There was a helicopter within just a, a few minutes, and within an hour and a half, he was uh, gone to the IWK uh, without me and Karen. Uh, but the strange thing when we looked, it, it, we felt an incredible amount of peace uh, about it. We had no idea what was going on, but I went in and I got us some lunch and we sat down and we ate in the hospital while Lucas was gone and we didn't really know what to expect and then we waited for Karen to get discharged and when she was discharged, we, we went to the IWK and uh, when we walked inside, inside the room, once we found our way, it was cardiologists and pediatricians and doctors there and, and they sat us down to, to, to chat with us. Um, and they, they shared with us that Lucas, Lucas has, a, has a very rare uh, heart condition. Uh, he was born with congenital heart disease. He was born, uh, I guess the, the, the largest amount of his condition, he was born with something called Tetralogy of Fallot. And I asked this morning if anyone ever heard of it. Did anyone ever hear of it? No one again. Tetralogy of Fallot includes four different uh, heart defects uh, that he had. On top of that, what made Lucas very rare was he had, he had three more. Uh, inside of his Tetralogy of Fallot, he was born, w w one of that is a hole along with three others. He had a hole in his heart. He was also born with another hole in the other chamber of his heart. Uh, he was born with, uh, with one of his major arteries was turned backwards, which wasn't an over overly big deal, just another defect on top of it. Uh, but the biggest one, he was born without a pulmonary valve, uh, which couldn't really uh, depict which... Uh, Blood flow, blood would, would flow back in and it would move around so much that it would, that it would swell it. Uh, so there was a lot of concern with him. His auction wasn't that great. I, I, I had let my church know and they gathered together and had this prayer meeting. And, and we didn't know if we were there for two months, three months, four months. We had no idea how long we were, we were, in, we were in the hospital. Um, so they gathered together and they had prayer for Lucas. And uh, within the next day, his oxygen levels you know, jumped up from, from like 80, then into the mid-90s, and, 
which is incredible, which is where they would want him to be, which is where they told him he probably would never get into that area until he had heart surgery would, would be in that area. But he was in, you know, reading uh, heart oxygen around 95, 96, and, uh, which was incredible. And in eight days, we got to take Lucas home from the IWK. Yeah, so it was, it was incredible to see how God worked in his life, and he was healthy, he functioned, he functioned uh, great. He, he, he had some, some struggles, and he still had some, some issues, and we had our follow-up appointments with the IWK. We would go every four weeks or, or something like that. And so one fell on March the 9th where he had gotten sick previous, and uh, they still wanted him to come in just with his condition. So we, we went in in, in, uh, in March the 9th, I believe it was March the 9th, and I dropped Karen off, and she went in with Lucas. And they noticed that he was struggling a bit more than usual. Uh, so they wanted to keep him overnight to do a CAT scan just to get a better picture. So they kept him overnight. I, I drove all the way back to, uh, to the South Shore back home and uh, just to, I waited to see what we didn't know if Lucas was coming home the next day or, or what the situation was. We had no idea. So they did a CAT scan, and it didn't come back great. Karen was in the hospital. They asked if they could call to, uh, to just lay out what they had seen on the CAT scan. Uh, Lucas's pulmonary artery had swollen so much that it had collapsed his airway to one of his lungs, um, which caused the struggle in the breathing, but also caused uh, another issue where the small airways in his lungs begin to fill up with air. Um, the issue with that is there's nothing they could do about it, which was the phone call. Uh, his, his lungs, they, they couldn't do anything about it. The, the, uh, the, the airways are so pliable that there's not a whole lot that they could do. It's, it's either it came back or it, or it never. Uh, so on the phone call, I, I don't know if there's any other way he could have laid it out. Maybe he could have laid it out a, a, a bit more tactful. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but he basically said when I was on the phone and Cam was in the room that babies like this don't generally make it. Um, and that's what he said to us. There's, he, we can fix his heart, but we can't fix his lungs. We can try and fix his heart, but we can't fix his lungs. Uh, so that was what we were left with. They said, we have him scheduled in the operating room in seven days. Uh, that was on a Thursday to the next Thursday, and, and we'll work on his heart. And anything after that, they, they really couldn't give us. But he said, from previous experience, babies with this, they don't do very well. So we, we had no idea what to expect, no idea where, where we were going. But I know that, that God was our strength. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in, in, in time of... And I can see that looking back now, how much strength that God had... had he, he spoke of Bill Johnson. That was on a, on a Thursday. That Sunday morning, I stood in the pulpit and I, and I shared with my congregation, even though the, it was like the whole world had fell apart. It was like I was still stood on something. And uh, I shared with them just, you know, just don't give up. We stopped so quick. So the next Thursday, they took Lucas in for his, for his heart operation, which was difficult. I went in with Karen. We, we went out and tried to kill time and get our mind off of things as best as possible. And 15 hours later, uh, Lucas came out. Uh, they had scheduled him for eight hours. 15 hours later, they, they came out. And they moved us out of the room. They got everything ready and they chatted with the doctor and he explained what he did. We were like, well, did it work? And, and he said, it worked. And uh, his lungs looked look great. The airway came back and uh, he seems to be breathing great and he's doing well. It's just, you know, every day at a time. And, 
and, uh, and see what happens and, and see what's going. And Lucas came out of that, that surgery. And then 28 days after he was, he was three months old at that point. At three months old, 28 days after open heart surgery, we took him home. And uh, he was so strong and, and, and so resilient. One thing I, I, I didn't get the, the share this morning, one of his biggest struggles coming out of it um, was, uh, was a struggle with, uh, it's like a drug like morphine, uh, to be able to just to help with pain. And uh, he struggled with, with withdrawals from it, trying to come off of it from, from pain. So he would sweat through blanket after blanket. He'd be jittery, he'd be, he'd be anxious, he'd be, uh, he'd be fussy. Uh, just because he was going through withdrawals. He had no idea why, but he was, he was struggling with this. And so they had to continually bring down the doses from 12 hours, 8 hours, until they could get him down to the point where they could get him off of it. I think it was at like the 8-hour range. And uh, the, the church at home was praying for it because this was like the point of, if he can get off this, then we can quickly try to get him home. Um, it's, it's dangerous to completely stop at cold turkey. The church at home was praying for it, and I went out and seen Karen, and the nurse came in to give it to him. We were like, how about we don't? We're like, well, I got to go talk to someone because we kind of have to. And we were like, well, let's not give it to him. And uh, she left. I don't know who she talked to, but she didn't come back. And he never took it, and he never had a single withdrawal after that. And it was just a few days after that he got to, uh, he got to come home. And now Lucas is, he'll be seven months old soon. Uh, he's, he's doing well. Uh, we don't know what the next seven months hold uh, for Lucas, but we trust in God. Uh, he has, a, he has a small day surgery scheduled in the beginning of August just to, just to help some stuff in his heart with, with how quickly uh, he grows. So we have no idea, but we know that God is in control, that God has been working in his life every single step of the way. Uh, it, was, it was not shortly after, I think it was just around maybe the, 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 the day we got back and Karen got to see the kids. She managed to see the kids once when she was in the hospital. I took them out, and, and she got to see them, and, and uh, our oldest is... He'll be six in November. So we're trying to explain to him everything and, and everything that's going on. Cam was, was chatting with him and, uh, about how, you know, Lucas was, was good. It was going to be okay if everything worked. And he was kind of like, I know. And it was like he had this, this understanding from something else. And, and, and he, mentioned, he mentioned about these, these angels that reassured him of it, that came to his room, his window at night to reassure him while Lucas is in the hospital, Lucas was going to be okay. And it wasn't just one. He said it was six hundreds of them. And they were going to Lucas's room to, to watch over him in, in the hospital, and that he was going to be okay. And like this whole time, Isaac was just comfortable and, and happy because he was going to be okay. Because, and I think that's what the Bible tells us to be like children, because a child has such faith where if it just says it, then that's just how it's going to be. And uh, so he believed that, and, and, and he believed that it was going to be okay because of this. And, and 22, I'm, I'm 27 years old. Uh, 22 years ago, uh, I can remember very vividly as a child, this experience has stuck with me forever. I left my room uh, one early in the morning to go to the bathroom. When I stepped out, we had this split level, and on the stairs, sat back on, facing down the steps, was this glowing white figure. And it was this, it was this angel. And, and to understand that boy well, wasn't something else, because it gave this, this incredible amount of peace, and almost something you couldn't even hardly look at. Uh, but this incredible amount of peace of what I had just witnessed as a child. And I lived 22 years where I always said, boy, if, if this angel that showed up surely had something better to do elsewhere, maybe. Why show up at, at, at my parents' house, at my house, when I was five years old, 
to just sit there and say nothing. When Lucas had shared this, when, when Isaac had shared this, it was like God spoke in a moment, and he said, that's why. And he said, because if I hadn't, he said, you wouldn't believe him. Because I can be maybe a little bit of a skeptic like Isaac can, my son, because he's afraid of everything. And he said, if I hadn't did it, you would never have believed him. And sometimes we think, does God even understand? Does God even know? Does God even care? 22 years ago, God cared and God knew enough to place that on my step. So 22 years later, my son could share something with me and I could understand that God was in control. And every time I share that, I, I, I think this, and, and, and you may have the same question of, well, why not if God knew 22 years ago, did he not just heal Lucas, or why wasn't he just born new? I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I do know that God knew, and I do know that God cared, and I do know that God was in control. And I don't know what you're going through or what you face, but God knows. He knew before you knew. He knew before you were born. 22 years ago for me, he knew about my son Lucas. He knew about his heart condition. He knew that he would be okay, but he knew that I needed to know that he knew. Because <laughs> I needed to know that, that he's seen me. And just to see how God has worked in this whole situation, that God is, is real. And I, and I shared in the earlier service that I don't know how people do it without God. And I don't know where you stand with God or where you're too in your faith with God, but I don't know how people do it without God. I have no doubt in my mind that he is real and that he knows and that he understands and that he, he loves us. I'll close with this before I give it back to Christian. Uh, we didn't have a pediatrician where we're to. We would have had to travel to Kentville, which was a long ways away every time, every, in between our IWK to see a pediatrician. And uh, within Lucas's being born and us getting home in eight days, there was a pediatrician that moved into Yarmouth, which is about 45 minutes away from Ottawa, who specialized in children born with congenital heart disease and specifically in the issue that Lucas has. <laughs> and just to see how God has laid everything out and that, that God is, is in control. So I don't know what you're going through, but God knows. And he wants to do a work in that. So good. So good. God knows. And you need to remind yourself of that. You need to remind yourself. And that's what I wanted to share this morning. Just a powerful testimony of God knowing. Worship team, come back. We're, we're going to wrap up. A third point is real quick. Verse 10 of this psalm says, be still and know. And this concept of being still, it's not about meditation or anything like that. As I was studying this, it comes from the Hebrew word that's it says Rafa, the word Rafa, and this means to weaken or to let go, to release things, or as we would probably say today, to throw in the towel and just say that's it's too much. I just essentially surrendering everything and giving it over to God. And this is be still and know. And the word know in Hebrew comes from the word yada. And it's not to know because of hearing it or know because you've you've uh, read it somewhere or anything like that, but it's knowing because you've seen it. You've witnessed it happen. You've witnessed it. Time and time again, we can look back and see the faithfulness of the Lord. And there's only one more time in Scripture, if, if I'm right, now you can challenge me on this, but I think there's only one more time in Scripture where that's used, that phrase, to be, to be still. And it's in Exodus, Exodus 14. 
And it's when Moses had led two million of the Israelites out of slavery. And the Egyptian army was chasing them from behind. Most of us know the story. And they had come to the Red Sea. So there was nowhere to go. They were struggling. And Moses stands and says, do not be afraid. Can you imagine? Just picture yourself there. An army is coming up from behind you. And there's a sea in front of you. And your leader says, don't be afraid. What do you mean, don't be afraid? How can we not? Do not be afraid, he says. Stand firm and you will see deliverance. The Lord will bring you this day. Today, God is going to show up. Uh, don't you want to be like Moses when you know that you know that the Lord is who he says he is and you can speak that and live that way? The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again. The army you see coming behind, you're never going to see. I'm going to take care of it. Oh, come on, so good. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You only need to surrender. So church, wherever you're at today, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. The thing that's plaguing you today, it's not yours. And I know, again, those are sometimes words that we say over and over again. And we find it maybe hard to believe it for ourselves. But I just want to encourage you today as the team begins to play. I've asked Susan to get a few more people to come to the altar because I believe there's people here today that God wants to meet you. Whether it's a supernatural miracle that's going to happen in a moment or whether it's just a shot in the arm of encouragement for you to keep going. He's here today to meet you. And I've asked the altar workers to specifically ask you what they can pray for. Not just that God bless you and send you on your way, but just to speak with authority today. And if you want to come and just be you and God, just come and kneel. And that way we'll know that you would rather just be you and the Lord. But if you want prayer today, if you want someone to agree with you, if you want someone to come and hold your hands up, I just encourage you to be vulnerable. Let's stand. Take off the mask. Let the tears flow. Maybe you'll come and you'll just be a mess. Yesterday morning, Bernice, a bunch of ladies met. And they just saw people heal. Ladies broken, but healed because of Holy Spirit showing up. And the same Holy Spirit's here this morning. He wants to meet you. We're not going to formally dismiss you. You know what, glad sometimes we can go on for a while. If you need to leave, leave. Be blessed. Go in victory. But respect what the Lord's going to be doing around these altars, okay? Let's leave quietly. If you're here this morning and you don't know this God that Jordan spoke about, you don't have that peace, and you're walking through something, and you're like, man, I wish I had that. Come. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. So, Father, we give this time to you. I pray right now that you would just, Lord, give those people who need to step forward this morning, who are maybe feeling a little anxious in their seat to get up and to walk out, give them courage, Lord, I pray today, so that, Father, you can accomplish what you want to accomplish in this time that we have left. We give it to you, Father. Have your way. Do your work, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. And follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.